It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today, you know, we are filming a documentary, and it's about Texas gun laws. And, you know, that will air in film festivals around the country next year sometime. But, you know, I have a question for you. Will we get gun control in Texas under Governor Greg Abbott's watch? That's what I need to know. Will this governor and this legislative body give us universal background checks, gun registry, or red flag laws? You know, but now what I want to do is I want to change gears a little bit because, you know, because I'm curious about that, for one. And I do want you to give me a call. As a matter of fact, give me a call at 512-543-2284 and let me know, are we going to get gun, some type of gun control from this legislative body here in Texas, a Republican-controlled House, a Republican-controlled Senate, while we have a Republican governor in office, are we going to get some type of gun control? You give me a call. You tell me. Give me your thoughts. I want you to tell me. As a matter of fact, call me. Change my mind. Prove me wrong. Tell me that we're not going to do it. Or tell me that you think we are going to do it. Whichever way you decide, you let me know. 512-543-2284. Now, let's travel to Houston, Texas. The Houston Police Department, they don't think you're stupid. They actually know you're stupid. That's right. The Houston Police Department Narcotic Squad obtained a no-knock warrant based on false information. They actually shot and killed. Translation, executed the homeowners of this home, you know, and, and, and I'm sorry, but I got to I got to stop a second and actually laugh. You know, you know, what? <laughs> I actually have to laugh about this because, you know, why I'm laughing because no one's taking this serious. You're not taking it serious. No one's actually taking it serious at all. So why should I take it serious? Why should I care that someone was killed in their own home? Because you don't care. We're talking about homeowners. We're talking about the, the police department. They, actually, they have the authority to take someone's liberty away. They have the authority to you know, go get a warrant and enter your home because they suspect that you've committed a crime. That's what we're talking about. You know, and if you, if you think I'm wrong, you think, you know what, I'm cop hating or something like that, then you know what, you give me a call and prove me wrong. You know what? The, the, the Houston Police Officers Association, call me. Give me a call. Prove me wrong. Let me know that I'm on the wrong track, that I'm cop hating. My phone number, by the way, is 512-543-2284. That's my phone number. 
512-543-2284. This is just hilarious to me. You know, so let's break this down a little bit. All right, so let's break it down by the numbers. All right, first of all, I am pro-Second Amendment, and I am pro-law enforcement. I believe in backing the badge. So don't get me wrong here. I believe that we need to support our law enforcement. We need our law enforcement. So don't mistake me and don't mistake what I'm trying to say at all. But my problem here is when we have a law enforcement agency, a section of the police department commits a crime, we need to hold them to a high standard. We need to hold them to some type of standard, any standard whatsoever. How about the same standard that we hold our citizens to? That's what I'm talking about. So like I said, let's break it down. So on January 28th, a Houston narcotics team conducted a no-knock raid. Now, a no-knock raid, what we're talking about is here, we're talking about no sirens, no lights. We're talking about no cameras. We're, we're talking about going to someone's home. You're getting a warrant from a judge. You're actually swearing. You're holding up your hand, and you're saying that the information judge, your honor, that I'm giving you is actually correct. And you're saying this is the information that we have and we have justification to go into this, you know, to to execute this warrant and and to, to take care of this. You're swearing to this. You're swearing an oath. So. And, and this is hard for me. It really is because they conducted this no knock warrant on a home of Dennis Tuttle. This young man was 59 years old. He was a veteran of our United States military. He was, he was a disabled veteran. And Regina Nicholas, 58, who Regina stood by her man. And the police claimed to have received an anonymous tip that the couple were selling drugs. And you know what? I want to roll clip number one. So. Narcotics officers from the Houston Police Department from the uh, uh, group uh, 15 uh, initiate a search warrant uh, at the location at uh, the city center block of uh, Harding Street. Now, the Houston police also claim they sent an informant to the house to attempt to control uh, to a control by, you know, and that's when you, you know, you kind of you, you send an informant over to, you know, to that place and you say, you know what, here's some money. Go ahead and buy some drugs and let's see if, you know, we can execute this sale. If so, then you know what? We're going to get a warrant. That's going to be our justification. And then we're going to execute. You know, we're going to get the warrant and execute it. So then they go to this home and an informant returned. They said that according to them, the informant actually returned with heroin. That's right. They're saying that this person actually purchased heroin, heroin from this home. Roll clip number two. Uh, upon making entry, uh, they uh, immediately came under fire. The first officer through the door, armed with a shotgun, uh, was charged uh, immediately by a very large pit bull that charged at that officer. He discharged uh, rounds that we know that the, the dog was struck and uh, killed. We come back from the break. We're going to break this down even further. I'm going to tell you what happens in my home, when someone actually pulls upside, not even walking the driveway, just outside my house, I have three female pit bulls. And I'm going to tell you how they react. 
and how I react. We're talking about this. We're talking about more. We're doing a documentary. We're going to let the world know about this. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking about the Houston police shooting. I also have some other stories I want to update you on. But today I want to focus on the the Houston police shooting because we're talking about the Houston Police Department, the narcotics division of this department actually stormed some citizens' home, uh, this couple, uh, someone's grandparents. And they walked in and uh, on a no-knock warrant, you know, and just so you know what a no-knock warrant is, that means that you show up, no lights, no sirens. It just says police. What you do is you show up, you sneak up to the house, you knock the door down. The person that knocks the door down steps out of the way. The other person comes in. They charge in. And they start yelling and screaming, and it's chaos. And and just imagine you're sitting at home one day. It's five p.m. right after, right around five p.m. And you're actually set up, for some reason you're at at home this early in the day, uh, because this was a wounded veteran. And you're at home. You're sitting there. You're watching the evening news, and all of a sudden, a large bang. Someone busts through the door. Your dog, your first line of defense, does their job which is start barking at the noise and charging to where the noise is coming from. Because you just heard this big, huge bang, what do you do? You run, you grab your gun, exactly what you're supposed to do. And you start defending your home, you defend your family, and you're defending your life. So according to the police account, as they broke down the door, a dog charged them. And they shot the dog. The Houston police also say Dennis Tuttle, which is the homeowner, then charged at them with a handgun and wounded multiple officers. Now, after the police opened fire, what they're saying is uh, he retreated to a back room. Now, mind you, this is with a revolver, a 357 five-shot revolver. Now, after the police opened fire, he retreated to that back room. And then the police say Regina Nicholas, you know, that young lady that was standing by her man, then charged and wounded officer and attempted to grab his shotgun. They opened fire again, killing her. They say Tuttle then reemerged, firing his gun, at which point they killed him, too. Now, the Houston police chief, Art Acevedo, initially claimed the house was hardened or fortified, and possibly with surveillance cameras. He also claimed that the police arrived with their sirens and flashers and activated, and in you know just pretty much inferring that the couple should have known they were being raided by law enforcement. And that's not procedure when you're doing a no-knock raid. You're doing a no-knock raid, you show up, no sirens, no lights, in secret, in quiet, and it's, the object is to surprise them and storm the door. 
the house. In the end, the story went five cops put their lives on the line to get a heron-dealing couple off the street. Let's roll the next tape. Uh, at the same time, a, a male suspect came from around uh, the back and started an open fire with a uh, 357 Magnum revolver. That officer was struck in the shoulder. He went down, uh, fell on the sofa in the living room, at which time a female suspect went towards that officer, reached over the officer, and started making a move for his shotgun. Now, but since then, the official story has started to unravel a little bit. You know, it's, it's increasingly looking as though something went horribly wrong on Harding Street. That's H-A-R-D-I-N-G Street. And that Tuttle and Nichols were not hardened drug dealers, but were shot and killed, more importantly, executed in their own home. We're talking about, you know, law enforcement officers have the authority to take your liberties away, your freedom. We give them the great responsibility of, you know, going out and doing those things that, you know, we don't want to do. You know, and I think back to the days of when I was in the military. You know, and if I was to go out or someone went out and went on a mission and did something. And something went wrong. Whoever's in charge of that unit. Something like this happened, they're going to lose their job. The second in command is going to lose their job. The person who was in charge of the mission, it's probably going to be prosecuted, especially after killing an innocent person. They're going to go to Leavenworth, Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. That's how it's done in the military. But we're not talking about the military. We're talking about a law enforcement agency. We're talking about peace officers, the ones that we're tasking to protect us, to save us, you know, and, you know, when we need something. That's what we're talking about. So the police, they obtained a no-knock warrant. They would seem to contradict Acevedo's claim that the officers arrived with their sirens and flashes on. And the entire purpose of the no-knock raid is, like I said, to take suspects by surprise. And that surprise is spoiled pretty quickly if you provide notice of your arrival. Go ahead and rotate. And in this case, the suspect decided to shoot. And then he came and uh, actually at one point took his gun out the door and shot at the officers as they were reportedly shot the officers as they were making the. Now, this is going to be inconsistent because now here and, and honestly, you got it, folks, you got to go back and look at the the press conference. When you look at the press conference, you know, I love body language. You know, that's one thing about me. I like to look at a person's body language. I like to look at the people that are standing beside the person that's speaking. Because the person that's speaking, they're in the zone. But then when you have the assistant police chief, you have those deputy, the, the other uh, assistant chiefs that are standing beside him. And when he says key things, they're about to come out of their skin. You got to go back. Trust me on this. Go back and look at it for yourself. Look at when he says key things, when he mentions the drugs, when he mentions the fact that, you know, Mr. Tuttle came outside the door firing shots. Look at the assistant police chief's body language. They knew at this point in time, right then, they knew this was a lie. 
a complete lie. Their body language says it all. Go ahead and rotate. Can you just clarify, last night you mentioned black tar heroin. Today it's marijuana and other... Yeah, we actually bought black tar heroin uh, at that location. So there was heroin Mm -hmm. bought there at one point. Is this one... We didn't find any yesterday. We didn't find any yesterday. So Dennis Tuttle, which is not, this is also a lie, you know, uh, they, they're saying that they brought black tar heron there. And, and, and this is not going to be true because uh, the police doing an investigation, went and questioned all of the informants. And everyone said, no, we didn't buy anything from this house at all. Not this house. So Dennis Tuttle and, and Regina Nicholas had lived at the same house in that 7800 block of Harding Street for 20 years. The police apparently didn't bother to do much investigating at all because they didn't even know the names of either of the home's occupants when they broke down the door. According to police, the informant claimed to have seen lots of plastic baggies and and filled with black tar heroin and and, and a 9mm semi-automatic handgun And the raid didn't turn up either of those, mind you. When you look at the list of items that were confiscated from the house, when it comes to the evidence, according to the police chief, the gun that was used against the officers was a revolver, a 357 revolver. That revolver is not mentioned in the list at all. When you break it down and take a look at it, let's let's talk about what was on that list. So what exactly was on the list of items that were confiscated from the house? It wasn't a 357 revolver that the chief mentioned. It actually was a 20-gauge Beretta shotgun. It was a 12-gauge Remington shotgun. It was a 22 caliber Winchester rifle. It was a 7-millimeter caliber Remington rifle. It was a 1. There were 1.5 grams of unknown white powder. And 18 grams of marijuana. Behold that thought. You're thinking, oh, well, they're dirty. You know what? They had drugs on them. But you know what? Just wait. This story gets even better. So according to police, the informant claims to have seen lots of plastic baggies and all that stuff, right? So then police chief Otto Acevedo initially claimed that after the raid, the neighborhood thanked the officers because it was a drug house. And they described it as a problem location. Yet in the days followed... You know, within days after this happening, what happened was what the neighbors come forward. and They say, ah, 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 there is no way there's no way. You know, we have some issues on this street. We have some issues on this neighborhood. But in this neighborhood, no, drugs are not the problem. These people here. No, no one even visited this uh, actually went to the homes of these people. They didn't have visitors. These people were not drug dealers. So then, you know, uh, he pretty much the neighbors just stated that, hey, you know, they were shocked by hearing the allegations of drug dealing. They described the couple as easygoing and said they rarely saw visitors. The neighbor's testimonials seemed particularly troubling since it was allegedly a neighbor's anonymous tip that sparked the initial investigation. I'm telling you. When you look at all this stuff, you look at all the facts You break it all down. Someone needs to go to jail. Someone needs to lose their job because you're talking about officers who got a warrant, went into someone's house, executed them in their home 
You need to lose your job and someone needs to go to jail. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace, this is Maj Touré. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Thirteen seventy. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. We're talking about the Houston shooting. We're talking about the Houston Police Department. And you know what? If you dis- disagree with me, you want to be a Facebook warrior? You know what? Give me a call because I can back up everything I say. My telephone number is 512-543-2284. Don't, you know what? Don't type something. Don't t- type negative things on Facebook. Don't type negative things on Twitter. Don't send me a message on Instagram. You know what? Give me a call because I can back up everything I say. So give me a call. I got, I'm ready for you. It's 512-543-2284. Call me up. Let me hear what you got to say because I can back up everything I'm saying. This is a shame. This is a travesty and someone needs to go to jail. Now, neither of these victims, neither one of them had a criminal record whatsoever. The only criminal history for either was a decade old bad check. That's all we're talking about. And, and, and that was against Nichols. And that was dismissed about a month after it was filed. So we're talking about these people didn't even have a freaking traffic ticket, people. Not even a speeding ticket. These people were executed in their home where they're supposed to be. And the reason I'm so upset about this and you should be inflamed about it is because these people died in their home defending their home. And no one is standing up for them. No one whatsoever. And this has got to stop. And when you have the the police uh, union stand up and make threats to citizens because they're questioning law enforcement, this has got to stop. Because we're questioning you because we have doubts about what just happened. You executed someone in their home. Of course, we have questions and we want to know the facts. We don't want to know all the details. We don't want you filing paperwork with the AG's office to keep the AG from finding out what's going on. What are the facts? That's what they're doing, people. They're finding, they're filing paperwork with the AG's office to keep you knowing what's happening so you can't get the information. They're trying to hide this information from you. That's what's happening right now. They're lying, and they knew it from day one. Now, despite what the police department claimed early on, the house was not fortified. Nor did it have surveillance cameras whatsoever. As a matter of fact, the targeted home on Harding Street didn't appear to be either fortified or equipped with surveillance cameras whatsoever. A separate home with the same street number, the same number on Hardy Street was both fortified and had and was equipped with an extensive surveillance system. So these people went to the wrong home, killed someone 
in their home. And at best case scenario, we're talking about someone that had marijuana for recreational use. That is not why you kill someone. Now, during a news conference after the raid, Acevedo himself used both Hardy and Harding in describing the street where the raid went down. Now, Acevedo initially claimed that the officers were met with gunfire immediately upon entering the house. You heard this from yourself. He also said that the, the, man, the, the man of the house actually came outside and fired shots outside. <laughs> really? With a five-shot revolver? I call bull. Later, he said the police first, they fired first, killing Tur- uh, Tuttle's dog. And this sparked a backlash from law enforcement and Acevedo dismissed what he called crazy conspiracy theories. We're not talking about crazy conspiracy theories here, people. We're talking about the facts, things that you're telling us. You're telling us what's happening and we're breaking it down. If it doesn't fit, then someone's wrong. Now, I I guarantee you, we, we, you know, The police, this police union, uh, Mr. Joe Gamaldi, let me tell you, this guy, this guy, it's unreal here. You know, he he blamed the shooting on anti-police rhetoric because people are questioning law enforcement. Folks, this this has got to stop. When you, we're sitting here, we're looking at this plain as day. Let's, let's, for an example, let's take a truck driver. You know what? I'm, I'm a truck driver. I'm a professional driver. And I'm on the highway. All of a sudden, something happens and I have an accident. Because I'm a professional truck driver, do you know what happens to that professional truck driver? What happens is immediately they are drug tested. Immediately. Everything is checked. All the records, their driving, their logbook, everything is checked. But we don't do that for law enforcement. They get a pass. Police Union President Joe Gamaldi may soon need to spend more time defending his dues of paying members uh, than tracking and threatening police critics. I'll tell you that. Now, do you remember? I want, to, I want you to go back. Remember Catherine Johnston? Remember Mr. Miss Catherine Johnston? I want you to remember that name. Google it. That's the thing that people, you know, all you little Facebook warriors out there, you don't have, you don't know how to Google. You know what? Google. Google it. Catherine Johnston. It's K. K. Catherine. Johnston, where police got a tip about a stash house. And instead of waiting to find an informant, conducting a control by and requesting a warrant, what did they do? They skipped the first two steps. They made up the drug buy, lied to the judge, got their warrant and killed an innocent 92 year old woman in their own home. They then tried to cover it all up. Listen, people, if you're going to lie about the warrant, if you're going to lie about why you need this warrant, then tell me, why should I believe everything else? Why why should I believe that these people even had marijuana in the house? A little piece, a little baggie of marijuana. Why should I believe that? Here's why. You know, here's why we shouldn't believe it. One, because guess what? After this shooting, when they did an inventory of the officer's vehicle, you, do you know they found drugs in the police officer's vehicle that were not logged in? So why should I believe you? 
You can't even tell the truth about getting a freaking warrant. Police can't have it both ways. They want to use tactics designed to confuse and disorient people to take people by surprise. But when someone in the midst of the chaos, in the midst mistakes police for armed intruders and trying to defend themselves, officials say they should have known that the armed intruders were law enforcement. You know what? Too many, too many times we make excuses for these law enforcement officers. I think back to the days of when I was in the military. Like I said before, if I did my job in the same fashion as the Houston Police Department, while I was in the military, I would have been sitting in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas right now, today. In this country, like I said before, remember this. When a professional truck driver is involved in a crash, they are immediately drug tested. We need to hold our law enforcement to the same standard. I'm not asking you to hold them to some greater standard. I'm just saying the same standard. And you know what, people? I am pro-law enforcement. I'm not anti-cop. I think we do need law enforcement. And I'll be the first one to tell you that. And there are a lot of great officers out there. But those great officers out there, this is not going to help them at all. This is it's so disheartening. Go ahead and rotate. I would say that I would express my my personal frustration at lawmakers that know that we have a public health epidemic in this country that we call gun violence. We we know that uh, that for whatever reason they offer a lot of prayers, but you know what? We don't need prayers from uh, we didn't we didn't elect people to pray for us. We elect people to lead us. We elect people to make public policy decisions, not based on whatever their primary, uh, the, the, the politics of primary politics, right? Because only the basis, basically. Uh, and sooner or later, we will reach a point in our country where we're going to say we're not doing enough about gun violence. And so to the elected officials, I appreciate your prayers. But quite frankly, uh, we've got a community that prays for us. Everybody can pray. But the only ones that can uh, listen to trauma docs, and I'm not going to talk about doc, but there's a reason that the Major City Chiefs Association has put forth a very a policy paper that talks about some of the steps that Congress can take. They have a national approach to addressing the scourge of gun violence. It doesn't just impact law enforcement. It impacts, it crushes communities, tears apart families, cuts life short every single day. For everyone that you and the national media cover, there are dozens a day that don't even get a mention. And so my response to me is, let's, criminals are gonna be criminals, evil people are gonna be evil. The question is, what are policymakers willing to do besides prayers to address a public health epidemic? And of course, somebody will now tweet, oh, there he goes with his, uh, it's not an anti-gun agenda, it's an anti, uh, uh, proliferation of firearms in the hands of people that have no business having guns. It's uh, it's an anti being able to walk to a gun show. You know, I'm a private seller. I can sell my M&P long rifle with 20 clips to whoever wants to pay without a background check. There are things that we can do that are not being done, and I would say that our frustration should be with people that are 
elected to make a difference in policy, and instead they all only offer prayers. Uh, the other thing I will say from my perspective is this. If, you know, because we're in an in our country where everybody, we know we want criminal justice reform, right? We want to give people second chances. But when people are, involving, are involved in violent crime and they're, and they're committing felonious assaults with firearms. I asked the police chief from the Houston Police Department to come on the show, and they refused. I asked the the rep for the Houston Police Officers Union to come on the show, and they refused. You know why they refused? Because they don't have justification of what happened. The, this police union representative came out swinging, and he was wrong. The police chief is wrong. This police chief spent his time days while these officers were in the hospital. He was in Washington, D.C. testifying for to take your gun rights away. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk. Hey, this is AWR Hawkins, Breitbart News, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. I tell you what, the only place I knew of was, you know, at my home, my living room, my house. I thought, you know, I could be safe in the four walls of my home that I can actually go home at the end of the day and just relax with my dogs, have a drink, and just chill, watch some TV. But obviously in this country, we can't even do that. Definitely can't do it in Houston. And God, I'm so glad I do not live in Houston, Texas. So glad I don't live in Houston, Texas. You know, um, it's, it's yeah. someone said... Yeah. They're saying, you know, well, maybe we shouldn't be so harsh on the police chief. Well, you know what? The reason I'm harsh on this police chief is because this officer that actually got this warrant, this is not the first time he's been in trouble for this exact same situation. Getting a warrant and be, and not <laughs> being justified to get the warrant. This is not the first time. <laughs> this is not the first time, people. You know what? And that's, you know, that's why I have to laugh because I have to laugh because no one's taking it serious. They honestly think you're stupid. They don't know. I take it back. They don't think you're stupid. They know you're stupid. They know you're stupid because you don't care and you're not holding their feet to the fire. Google, Google this guy's name. My God, for the for the life of these people, just grab your computer, grab your phone and Google his name. It comes up, people. My goodness, do some work. Stop just thinking, you know what? If, if you're sitting back and you're listening to this story, and you're saying you're trying to find some justification of why, you know what? The officers justify you are part of the problem. You should be removed from this society. We have we're done with you. You can now leave the freaking tribe. <sighs> Good road tape. But now I want to speak on behalf of the 5,200 brave men and women of the Houston Police Department and the other 800,000 police officers that are working these streets every single day, putting their lives on the line. We are sick 
and tired of having targets on our back. We are sick and tired of having dirt bags trying to take our lives when all we're trying to do is protect this community and protect our families. Enough is enough. And if you're the ones that are out there spreading the rhetoric that police officers are the enemy, well, just know we've all got your number now. We're going to be keeping track of all of y'all, and we're going to make sure that we hold you accountable every time you stir the pot on our police officers. We've had enough, folks. We're out there doing our jobs every day, putting our lives on the line for our families. Enough is enough. I don't even know what to say to that. I want you to take it and listen to it, you know, for what it's worth, because this was the day of the day of. And this is the speech that we got on the the bodies of people that are injured, even if they were in the right and the officers were injured. I don't think I would have used that rhetoric on that night. You know, let's you know, let's let's you know, let's hope that the officers recover. That would be the thing that I would say, not come out threatening citizens. No, that's not what you do. He's not getting a bad rap. He's a bad person. Got to wake up, got to smell the coffee. All right, I'm done with this. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. It's just making me sick. I just want to move on. All right, so let's go to, um, let's go to Illinois, Arado. Uh, I'm sorry, Aurora in Illinois. There are five employees who were fatally shot. Um, I'm sorry, a fired employee. He was fired. Uh, this guy, he was a, a guy in Illinois. He had a Ford card. That's a firearm. A firearms card there that you have to get in Illinois if you want to be able to purchase a gun and be in possession of a gun. Uh, so the fired employee who fatally shot five people at an Aurora manufacturing facility had a handgun despite a criminal history that includes an aggravated assault conviction and dozens of arrests for domestic violence and traffic violations. So what we're saying is the person that ex- that did that shooting in Illinois was not supposed to be in possession of a firearm in the first place. He should not have been able to get a Ford card. He should not have been able to purchase a gun. He should have popped on the Knicks. Uh, So there are a lot of issues with this. We need to blame the FBI, the Knicks, because he should have shown up there. And we need to blame uh, the state of Illinois because he should have showed up in their system. He never should have been able to purchase a firearm. That's the shooting that just happened in the last few days in Illinois. Now, according to the Royal Police on Saturday, they released new information about 45-year-old Gary Martin's troubled past. It exposes a glaring hole in gun laws meant to keep weapons out of the hands of potential dangerous individuals. Duh. And Martin received the Illinois Firearm Owner's Identification Card in January of 2014. Two months later, Martin purchased a 40 caliber Smith & Wesson handgun, apparently the same weapon used in Friday's shooting. Now, that's despite a 1995 conviction in Mississippi for aggravated assault. And records indicate Martin served less than two years in prison. Now, you don't need a fingerprint. You don't need fingerprints to purchase a firearm uh, or police chief Christian Zimmon said on Saturday. But after receiving a Ford card in 2014, police said that Martin was fingerprinted when applying for a concealed carry permit. And during the fingerprint and background process, authorities discovered the 1995 aggravated assault conviction and revoked his card. And all he did was revoke the card, but he didn't have the resources to go and get the gun. All right. So let's go over to uh, let's talk about Amazon. Man, let me tell you, I I, once again, you guys are it's not that they think you're stupid. 
they know you're stupid because you don't do anything. You just let all this stuff go by and we don't hold our our elected officials at bay. So when Amazon paid no federal taxes on 11.2 billion in profits last year. You know what? This country is being pushed and being carried by small businesses. Your small mom and pops are the ones that are funding this country because it's not being done by big business because they're not paying taxes and you're letting them slide by. You're giving them these tax breaks. You're giving them these tax cuts. You're just letting them slide by the system. And so, yeah. So according to Amazon, uh, the e-commerce giant that's being that's owned by the richest man <laughs> paid no federal taxes on profit of 11.2 billion with a B last year, according to analysts of the company's corporate filings by the Institute of, for Taxation and Economic Policy, a progressive think tank. Now let's go over to Denver. Denver in, in, uh, is going to encrypt police radio traffic blocking the public. Yeah, that's right. Over in Denver, Colorado. What they're going to do is they're actually going to uh, actually block all the traffic so you can't hear the radi- radio uh, uh, what's going on with law enforcement. You can't monitor that traffic. <laughs> so the government, uh, Big Brother, is going to cover themselves up so you can't hear what's going on. Check that out. <sighs> oh, man, I tell you. So Denver police radios crackled Wednesday afternoon with a variety of calls for service. A father calling on a combative son uh, and teens smoking marijuana in an alley, a a car crash. And soon, however, the public will no longer be able to tune into that daily goings on and what's happening. Because you know what? The Denver Police Department, they're going to scramble that. They're going to block it. You're not going to know what's happening. You're not going to be able to audit the government. They're going to shut you out. (laughs) They're going to keep secrets from you. Yeah, let's go over to, uh, let's see, over in San Francisco. That's right. San Francisco. Boy, did you hear about this? So chaos broke out over in San Francisco, California, doing a performance of the musical Hamilton at San Francisco's or uh, the uh, little theater over there. And Friday night after audience members mistook a medical emergency for a shooting. What happened was a woman had a heart attack. And someone broke open an emergency defibrillator. And so activating an alarm. You know, you break it open, the alarm goes on. Then guess what? That happened at the same time that gunfire went off on stage as part of the show's dual scene. It was the the fire department spokesman, you know, said it was crazy. It was a stampede. So at the same time, this lady has a heart attack. Someone goes over, breaks over the the emergency box there to get the defibrillator, you know, to, you know, start doing life saving measures on this lady. At that same time, that's when the scene for Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr, you know, the duel, that's when that happened. And the the gun discharged and it caused panic. And boy, they were running for their lives. It was a complete stampede. People were injured. People were hurt. You know, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, I'm going to tell you like this. At some point, you know, this 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 is what happens when we we make a society that a society where, you know, men are not men and women are not women. We, we have a society where, you know what, you got at some point in your life, 
You got to stand up and say, you know what? I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to protect my family. I'm going to take my own personal responsibility, my own hands. I'm not going to leave that to anyone else. I'm going to be the one that's going to, you know what? Be that, you know, that, that father figure, that man in the house. And so things like this happen when you, you just panic and freak over something so minor. You got to wake up. Got to smell the coffee. That's why I'm glad I live in Texas, the Lone Star State. We're going to go to the Capitol. We're going to let our elected officials know that you're not going to pass anti-gun laws on my watch. It's not going to happen here. It's not going to happen in Texas. Not going to happen on my watch. We're not going to let it through. Come and take it. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Keep your chains.